And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Harper. Hello, Joe. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Of course. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you about Meditations on Crime. It's a massive project release. I keep, in my brain, I keep just calling it a record, but it's not a record. It's much more. But first, what have you been up to? Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> well, uh, just, just, just pushing my little projects along, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I have a few different ones that are coming out pretty soon after being many years without a release. I have this project and uh, another book of interviews and uh, another recording project I did with my friend Vincent Gallo, which hasn't been announced, actually. Um, And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, just writing, pushing my projects along, um, doing some 
some press and some podcasts and whatnot for uh, for this project, mm-hmm. uh, which has been many years in the making. Yeah. Where are you? Where do you live primarily? On the I live in Los Angeles. All right. And you're in Portland? I'm in Seattle. Everyone thinks oh, I'm Seattle. In, yeah. Everyone always thinks I'm in Portland. And when I lived in Portland, everyone thought I lived in Seattle. <laughs> it's easy to mix up. Yeah. I never spent much time in Seattle. I mean, I've toured through. Yeah. How's LA feeling these days? I I usually go down there quite often, but it's been a little bit of a slow year. How's it feeling? It feels good. You mean like uh has it you you mean like uh in terms of the reopening of the world? How does sure. it feel? Yeah, it feels like uh yeah, it feels back to how it was pretty much, I'd say. Mm-hmm. You know? Good. Well, I'm going to come down in a couple months. I'll look for you. I'll bother yeah, you. Yeah, please. All right. All right. Well, let's um, let's jump into this uh, vast, amazing re- release, which I uh, devoured over the weekend on uh, four different flights. Oh, gee, that was a lot of a lot of content. To yeah, absorb. it was great. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it includes visual art, uh, writing, and of course, music that you co-wrote with a wonderful mix of musicians. And I want to hear about this curative process. Etc. But um, first, I'd like to ask you the big question: Why crime? Well, so this project, um, and I guess just for your listeners, yeah, it's it's called Meditations on Crime, and it's a uh, an album of collaborations, uh, different singers on on every song, and uh, there's a book with essays and uh, contributions from different visual artists. And there's also a short film that we're making at the moment, too. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so it's it's a curated, collaborative project. Um, I mean, the, the, the music, the songs, was were, was collaborative. Um, the essays and the art were, um, you know, I, I just uh, basically asked different contributors if they would uh, be involved, and I let them... Uh, give whatever they felt like giving. Yeah. So there's, uh, you know, uh, so the question is why crime? Yeah. Uh, so this has been this this has been years of uh, of um, getting this over the finish line. Um, of course, it sat for a couple of years on the shelf during the pandemic and whatnot, like most people's projects. But um, it was started in 2016 after the election. Mm-hmm. And uh, it felt like the time to, I wanted to do a project that had the ability to be political, but it was hard to know what to do. And I felt like the culture at large was also sort of a bit bewildered as to how to meet that moment artistically. And maybe that is partly because of the world of social media and and, and traditional media, and uh, there's a constant sort of level of noise at all times sort of coming at you with people's opinions and people's agendas um, all the time. People have the ability to say what they want to say to some small degree, uh, some small, largely inconsequential degree, but not inconsequential uh, when you um, aggregate it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, 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 in a sense, that has sort of stripped away some of the importance of the artist uh, in terms of uh, being a kind of reflection of the culture and uh, 
But anyway, uh, besides that, uh, it just I, it, I I noticed that it felt difficult for a lot of artists to know uh, how do we address that moment when there was a new tr- administration and. Uh, there was just a lot of pressure to discuss what was going on and address it. And, but a lot of the old ways of discussing these things and the culture seemed to be rather obsolete. Um, maybe not obsolete, maybe just tired. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even now, you know, I mean, it's just like, a, you know, it's come to a point in the culture where you're, there's just a, so much of what you see has a kind of obvious agenda, sort of hitting you over the head with it. And uh, so, and also, you know, musically, it felt difficult because uh, obviously we have a great history of protest in musical history, mm-hmm. uh, protest songs and political songs and in, in, in punk rock or, or even, you know, in, in hippie culture. But it felt sort of like, you know, I don't know if I really want to hear this person's like album of protest songs, yeah, you know, yeah, it just felt, right. you know what I mean? Like it just felt like, well, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but I want to say something, but what's mm-hmm. there to say? And what's there to say that's not being said, amplified all the time on people's feeds and that that doesn't seem boring. Um, Anyway, uh, so I I was a bit bewildered and also a bit uncomfortable as I've just never been someone who's who's, who's written in that way very much anyway. And I didn't really want to do a record like that. But uh, I wanted to do something. And uh, so I, I kind of thought that maybe it was a good excuse to do co-writes and collaborations with different people Mm -hmm. and sort of let them sing and let i didn't necessarily even think i would contribute to the lyrical content that much but in a few of the songs i did anyway and uh therefore i wouldn't have to be front and center like singing (laughs) songs and political (laughs) songs but i kind of like got to get other people to do it Anyway, I wanted, it seemed like a good idea. Maybe I would get, try to come up with a kind of a platform for people yeah. to, hey, you know, say what you want to say right now in this moment. And um, I, I came up, I had a number of, you know, I had I, I was different titles I was kind of coming up with, but I came up with this one, I was like, uh, Meditations on Crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought crime was a good, sort of a good way in. Yeah, that wasn't so obvious. Well, you know, it was uh, crime is sort of inextricably linked to the political dimension, really. And it, uh, yeah, it perfectly illustrates our policy and politics, or or it can that is exactly. It, I mean, uh, but it also has the ability to go much deeper and actually yes. go into lots of different places, yeah. um, which I liked and encouraged because I was like, well, feel free to address it in that way. If you want to talk about crime in a political way, like the clash does or something, exactly. or, yeah. but, or, you know, um, feel free to write about anything. And actually, you know, a lot of people didn't, a lot of people didn't take that opportunity to talk about crime in a sort of in the, in terms of the current political climate, which I was glad for, because actually as it, 
evolved and more contributions kept coming in, it took on a much more sort of abstract, more mysterious sort of, it became something deeper because it became more of a sort of a philosophical uh, reflection on criminality and the history of humanity and the unfolding of the the human drama. I mean, crime is such a dense topic. And so uh, has it's almost an absurd title in a way because it's just so vast you could spend your entire life you know, yeah. of, you know on on such a subject um so uh yeah that 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 was the genesis of it though. okay but 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 and i thought oh well, i'll do that and then it'll probably come out in a year or two and then i'll have had put out my little thing to say about the current political climate or something sure. but that's not what happened it took many more years there was a p- pandemic in the middle of it where the project sat on the shelf for a couple of years and by the time it's now coming out the administration we have a different administration although you know much of the political issues and political uh, characters uh, are still very much in, in play. Yeah, I just think that um, you lucked out or you had insight or a combination of both, but just choosing crime as the vehicle to discuss politics, especially if you're not used to it, as you said, it's, it's perfect because, again, my experience with reading, listening, and looking at this entire project, it put you in a meditative state. I don't know if you probably haven't read it like most people because you're completely subjective. But um, one thing in regards to a couple of the writing, the pieces in it, you know, Miranda July's pieces, kind of the, what I would consider small crime, petty. And it goes all the way up to uh, Janine Di Giovanni's piece, uh, war crimes, even and your piece when when you visited the refugee camp, which I consider atrocious, gigantic crimes, you know, and also everything in between. There's some lighthearted stuff. Of course, Pettibone's always got something funny to say about something atrocious. Uh, at the beginning, at the genesis of it, did you feel like it was going to be this vast and this this much of a gigantic, thoughtful piece? Not, not necessarily. I mean, it just kept growing. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, at first I, I went to the first few artists, um, visual artists, and I actually made the mistake sort of, I was just like, can you just give me one image? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, then I realized, well, this is not going to make a book. I just have, <laughs> have to have one image. I like, I need more images of each artist, and I need a lot more artists. So then I got uh, my friend Jonah Freeman, who is more known for his his collaboration with his partner Justin Lowe. They often go by Freeman Lowe, <clears throat> and he came on to uh, co curate the visual art part okay. of the book. Um, and he brought in a whole bunch of artists and um, with, you know, many more images. So then I sort of could leave that in his hand. He kept bringing in people and he brought in Raymond Pettibone and he brought in Julian Snobble uh, and, um, and Nate Lohman and many other artists. Um, and uh, the essays I curated and the album, uh, the songwriting um, and the producing of the record I did on my own. Mm-hmm. Um 
So, I mean, I knew I wanted, I knew it would be, I mean, so vast. I knew it would be an album of nine or 10 different collaborations. And the idea was to make an album with vinyl and the vinyl would come in a beautiful box with a book and it would be sort of a limited run, uh, kind of a, you know, a special sort of package. And, uh, you know, I knew there would be a book in there. I knew there would be essays. Um, and it was sort of like one person led to the next, you know, it was like, okay, now we have, uh, you know, Miranda July's, uh, you know, piece on shoplifting, which mm-hmm. actually is the one piece that actually originally appeared in the New Yorker. All the other essays are, are original for the book, but, uh, that one Miranda said, I, you know, she was about to make her film and she said, I don't have time to write a piece, but this one I wrote for the New Yorker is so perfect for it. Yeah. Uh, so I sort of made an exception for that and put that piece in. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, you know, one, sort of one person led to the next and many were friends, but then some were just, uh, you know, someone f- said, well, why don't you write to this person who's my friend? And, you know, a lot of it was done remotely. Some of the contributors I've still yet to meet in person and some of the collaborations musically, I still, you know, like King Khan lives in Berlin. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we still haven't met, you know, yeah. um, there's a million things that, you know, that's got me thinking on, but of course I turned inward and thought about my, my experience with crime. Um, and thankfully it was mostly in my youth and it was dumb street culture, skateboarding, punk rock, kind of graffiti crime, you know, breaking the window, things like that. And that all stemmed from what I do consider. You might have uh, taken a drug. Yeah, I, that's right. I forgot that was even a crime. <laughs> um, but it uh, it did largely come from this sort of punk. If you think it's right, smash it and take it kind of culture. And then, of course, that led to uh, Pettibone and his elaborate and funny bizarro um, commentary on political crime. And I was often too young to understand it. I did meet him once and he explained a bunch of stuff to me, which was kind of a story in itself. But, um, you know, it seems like you and I are probably around the same age. And this whole book, every I can relate to like everything in this book. And I, and I feel, I wonder what your experience with crime was as, as a youth. Oh, my personal experience yeah. with crime? Well, um, I didn't have that much experience with it. I mean, I have spent a night in jail, uh, but um, I have been arrested a couple of times. I uh, I took drugs. Uh, I mean, you know, um, uh, yeah, there, there was a, um, you, you're reminding me, there was a point in which I thought, is this going to be a problem with the book and that it's sort of removed from, uh, you know, is this, is it going to be sort of like a lot of rather genteel people sort of sure. commenting on the uh, uh, on the nature of crime from yeah. an abstract or political thing and not ha- not have sort of too many authentic criminals in there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got Wayne in there. He's an authentic. Criminal. I've got Wayne. I, yeah. So I got <laughs> Wayne Kramer in there. Um, Wayne was from the MC5. Um, he, he spent some time in prison for a cocaine distribution yeah and uh, and then started a a, a great um, foundation called jail guitar doors where they bring uh, musical instruments and songwriting and he brings them into prison and sort of has these and I did that with him once I came as a guest and oh. uh, yeah I went into LA county with him in fact the song jail guitar doors 
by the clash he's mentioned in the song i mm -hmm. can't remember the exact lyric but it's like did you hear about wayne and his problems with cocaine yeah. or something like that that's how it's sort of um so uh uh yes i had uh wayne you know i thought okay i can get wayne on that i mean i i, I but uh no i'd say my criminal uh, uh activity in general has been you know pretty limited but but actually you know one thing uh, the the subject of drugs and crime and legality and mm -hmm. uh, legalization of drugs and uh i mean that that uh became um something that was thought about and discussed to some degree in the book um you know for instance uh you know what what defines you know there are crimes which are a function of laws which are put into place by people in power there are just laws and there are unjust laws you know what do we have to say about crime about in, in regards to say you know marijuana which is now finally legalized in uh, many states but illegal in others you know yeah. i mean so if somebody was thrown in jail for smoking marijuana and committed a crime and had their life changed from that experience and now it's viewed as you know okay you know and uh, i mean uh, well what well what do we have to say about crime in regards to that you know i mean um uh, but anyway there's there's so many different ways to look at crime in relation to morality in relation to justice there are crimes of the heart there are many different dimensions and ways to discuss crime in fact you can go uh, really so far uh, i mean if you really look at it i mean the history of crime uh is the history of power and the history of politics and the history of human drama yeah P upon delving into this book it's very easy but my first thought is what was the first crime and then i quickly opens up into you know thoughts of our constructs lies religious views and it uh, again that that's also illustrates this the the enveloping that this this experience reading this book is it's it really is an opening experience it's really amazing and it, and it gets you to quickly think about all these things in the way it's laid out uh lends to that also um but you know i do keep coming back it's always in the forefront of my mind why i'm experiencing this is a little bit cheap but what is the first crime and what i did uh to address that is I texted about 30 people. And really? How interesting. That. Wow. Well, the results aren't. Um, oh, they aren't interesting? They aren't interesting because <laughs> mo here's, here's how it went down. But, I mean, most of the answers were jokes. Uh, right, right, right. Some of the answers were as blunt as rape. Mm. Um, but a lot of non-answers, too. And then, I, and then I was like, I'm going to fuck with these people and I'm going to ask them again. And then I would write, like, this is a serious question, and people still weren't answering me. These are friends. And I can't help but think that that might be a scarier question than, <laughs> than people don't want to delve into that. Because I think. Gosh, my, I do. <laughs> I do too. And my first thought, I mean, my dumb answer to that is I'm thinking it's a piece of food, right? That's what I just thought. Yeah. That's it's a what piece I of food. Thought. You hunted that wildebeest and are, <laughs> you know eating that and you have like a, and i want that yeah i'm, so gonna, I'm take gonna hit it. you over the head and take yeah. it <laughs> crime yeah 
uh, or yeah, or or rape. You know, um, I have some animalistic desire for this person, and I am going to take it without consent. Right, and whether it's and then I I did think on that. You know, is that procreative? When are we? How close are we to animals or non-human animals and humans? Yeah. Well, gee, I mean, we're like going back into some kind of like a crow magnum. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Crime. Good point. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that is not actually in the book. There is no there is no discussion of caveman crime. Yeah. In the book, but there is a very thoughtful sort of philosophical essay that opens the book by the novelist Ben Oakley on that really talks about uh, the, the, this kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, which I thought is was a great way to open the book and then sort of let it fan out from right. there, you know. And then I thought uh, I thought that the, the the subject would lend itself particularly well to the songwriting collaborative process because when I started to think about it, I started to think, well, I mean, really, in, there are two kinds of major sort of modes of songwriting. It's really either about love or about crime. Hmm. I mean, I, 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 actually, there's probably another category in there, uh, maybe, you know, about spiritual love, like hymns. But for popular song, I think there's either a love song or some, something to do with crime, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, 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 or politics in relation to crime, um, justice, you know, social yeah. justice, um, or just telling stories about crime, telling stories about murders, you know, telling stories uh, about bank robbers, you know, uh, folkloric tales of crime. So sure. it seems to be really one of the more dominant modes of popular songwriting. Yeah. So that seemed uh, like it would be interesting to try to contribute to that uh, history. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that, I'd like to play Crime Seed. That sound cool? Great. Yeah. Gang Gang Dance. Uh, Lizzie Bogatsos and uh, Brian DeGraw and myself. All right. Here we go. Third
something very interesting happened when I was listening to that song about the third time. I knew who the drummer was, but I could not. I didn't have the notes in front of me, but I knew in my brain by the space that she left. And I didn't want to look. And then finally I looked. And when I looked, it was Carla. And I was like, oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it the whole time. She's one of my favorite drummers ever. Oh, cool. Isn't that so great that you can recognize a musician from their playing? Yeah. I guess it's only something that musicians... No, 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 I shouldn't say that. I should not say that. I suppose non-musicians who are really interested in music and recording, you know, could tell, can tell distinctive uh, players if they're really that far into it. Um, I I don't think it it doesn't really exist in the same way, though, does it anymore? Probably. I don't think so. No. No. I mean, uh, I guess because uh, the idea of of, of like a really, uh, you know, distinctive, prodigious players who uh, make such an impact through, uh, you know, either like great session players where you're like, oh, well, they're on so many albums that and then, you know, and then you're sure. like, that's yeah. the sound of that person, you know, uh, that's their solo, I can tell, you know. Right. Uh, or just, you know, musicians from famous bands, I mm-hmm. suppose, would be the other other way, you know. And you're like, oh, well, that's Ginger Baker or something. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, what a great thing, you know. I mean, I love that about I love that about music. I love that, you know, pe- some people have styles that are so distinct that you can, that, that they become instantly recognizable in the world just through playing style and through originality yeah and again her her space and timing it's just so so much air in it and that you can see it when you hear it you know um you have such a great mix of musicians we got sun Ra orchestra uh gang gang dance as we just heard i can't name them all but we got ian savonis it's just such a eclectic collection of people um and you you mentioned that you didn't I'll know. name them quickly. Why not? For yeah, your let's There's go Ian for it. Sfinonius from Makeup. Mm-hmm. There is Cole Alexander from The Black Lips. There is Jennifer Harima from Royal Trucks. Gang Gang Dance. Um, Julia. Julia Halter. Uh, Ariel Pink. Geneva Jacuzzi. And uh, King Khan and the Marshall yeah. Allen and the Sun Ra Orchestra. Yeah. A motley groove. <laughs> yeah. Degener- degenerates and misfits. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you didn't meet some of these people, but how did you how did you approach them? I, let's see. I, I uh, Yeah, they all came in different, from different, uh, some I knew and some maybe I wanted to know. You know, at a certain point when you curate something, you're like, okay, well, we have a lot of this now, but we don't have anything like this so can we who's next we got to get someone to you know because of the nature of the project you know in a way the more diverse and the more eclectic the better Mm -hmm. um it lent itself to that but also at the same time it's a fine line you have to sort of decide what the tone is and what if it goes too wide, it gets too sort of vague and it feels like, what is this? You know, I mean, the record has to have a cohesion, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the line you, you, you walk when you're producing something like this. Right. And you did, na- I mean, I love the production on this and it, 
and I know most of these artists and I, I can imagine it could have gone all different ways, but somehow you put some glue in there. Thank you. I've talked. Thank Thanks for that compliment. Yeah, of course. Mostly I recorded it at Rob Schnapp's oh, studio. Right. And um, yeah, it was a tough one in that I, I had all these different people. I never really made a record like this before. I wanted to have all these different people write, and I wanted it to be sort of eclectic, but I wanted it to feel like a record, be kind of cohesive. Yeah. Um, I didn't want it to sound like a compilation album. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted it to sound like an album. You know, um, and people still sort of mix it up in their mind. They're like, oh, yeah, it's a compilation album. Well, it's not a compilation album because it doesn't um, feel like that at all. No, I think they just yeah. look at the artist. Oh, they sure. Think about yeah. It, and then they think like, oh, it's a compilation album. It's not. It's because it's it's um, it's basically the same band, pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, is, as you mentioned, Carla is our um, drums and Paz Lanchanton, who um, was from the entrance band and now plays with the pixies on bass and um and me on guitars and that was sort of the uh the foundation of most of the tracks you know we did all those tracks we did a lot of them live at rob's studio um yeah many of the artists then came into rob's studio and sang their parts jennifer geneva ariel but others did not happen that way like the one with julia halter geologist from animal collective he gave me like a couple just sort of atmospheric ambient sort of experimental tracks and i chose one and then julia halter added some piano and we co-wrote the lyrics and then she sang over it you know so it's it's sort of and that's all there's no there's no yeah. there's nothing else on it you know um the rl pink one was a little bit different i mean we did it in rob's well, you know, but there was a drum machine. Ariel just plugged, you know, he just programmed the drum machine yeah. and put a little synth part down. He just sort of was sitting on the floor. Then I kind of put a little guitar part down. There's no drums. Then we went to one of his bandmates, Joe Kennedy's studio, and he put down the synth. And then Ariel came over and re-sang the lyrics. And, yeah. Um, uh, but probably the most unusual one and kind of special to me for various reasons was this collaboration with this Marshall Allen and the Sun Ra Orchestra, mm -hmm. uh, which I went to Philadelphia to do oh. where they're all from and they yeah. all still live. And some of them still live in the, that communal house where they, they live with Sun Ra. Yeah. I mean, it's oh really God. like trippy and like has all these, you know, Afrofuturistic murals and psychedelic you know, Sun Ross shit on the oh walls and stuff God. like that. And it's really like left over from the 60s. And Martian still lives there. And a couple other guys still live there. And that was really special because I love Sun Ra Orchestra. First of all, I never tried to compose for jazz, a jazz piece before. Mm -hmm. So that felt kind of daunting, especially to have them play it. Um, I mean, I'd be reluctant to even say jazz because I'm not jazz trained, but I, I composed. And um, the way that came about is that I had an old friend named Hal Wilner. And Hal, um, for those who might not know him, he produced, um, well, his his sort of day job, if you will, was that he worked on Saturday Night Live for, mm -hmm. since the early 80s. Um, he was did like all the sketch music and stuff. Then he had a show called Night Music, which probably yeah. maybe people might not know that was on NBC, like a late night music show, which was very eclectic and odd. Yes. 
and got pulled off after a couple of seasons um, because it was just too weird for people to handle. And uh, then he, you know, I knew him because he did a similar kind of thing in that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, he did these records where the, that with all different artists um you know where he would take themes like uh the music from disney or charles mingus uh and have different people whatever tom waits this person mm-hmm. that person uh, come and you know sing a song and uh reimagine you know the songs of disney you know um with all sorts of great people and i knew him uh, for a long time but then and then we worked together a couple times and then he he was really great friends with lou reed in fact they had a radio show together and he had worked with sun ra orchestra a lot they had been all over his sort of different you know uh, theme themed recording projects over the years so he set that up for me and um, I was really excited because I got to co-produce something with Hal, who I'd known for 25 years. And then, and then we went down there to Philadelphia, which was like an experience. God. And we went into the studio, and then there all of them were, you know, or 12 of them or something. <laughs> and then, like crazily, like Terry Adams from NRBQ, like just showed up, and then what? just played an overdub piano. <laughs> on the like he just showed up in Philadelphia, just kind of walked in. Um, that's crazy and then uh, uh, and anyway we had this great day of recording and then we went to the Sun Ra How communal house and we hung out and we talked about jazz with these guys and then like we went and had like a Philly cheesesteak and we drove back to Manhattan oh, and we man. had a great day what a day and then um, within a year um, Hal died of COVID so um, but anyway so it was a great Anyway, it was a great experience to have this last experience with him. Like, it was, it was kind of perfect. It was kind of a perfect day. And um, and uh, very sad that, that, that then, you know, he was gone so so suddenly. Um, but, uh, you know, also a great honor to work with uh, all those great, great players. Yeah. And I'm sorry for the loss of your friend, but, I mean, uh, it sounds like you got to do one of the greatest things with your longtime friend. <laughs> absolutely ever in your life um and share it with the rest of us so and then uh, one of those tracks is the one king Kong sings on is that correct <clears throat> that's right yeah. yeah i mean he kind of he kind of raps not raps, rap, rather like a hip-hop rap but he kind yeah. of like a hazy jive beatnik rap <laughs> yeah know, or whatever like he kind of does a beatnik rap over it but um <laughs> can't go over the sun orchestra but king con can and he actually had he'd sort of performed with them live a couple times um yeah. so he knew them and uh he adapted this piece and kind of like you know did this uh sort of like uh beatnik sort of spoken word type thing over the their their piece and um uh, that was fun because I was a fan of King Khan. I still haven't met him, but we sort of uh, struck up a friendship, you know, sort of remotely. Yeah. Have you had any thoughts to perform any of this live or present it? I really want to. I just have to figure out how to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is something where you can do some maybe special events in some different cities, you know. And I'd like to do it perhaps as a benefit for 
some foundation that I still haven't decided upon yet or, mm. uh, or, or just as a kind of an art event, I would like to do at least a couple concerts where we can get everybody up and they can sing maybe some of their own songs or some of this collaboration or really kind of just be free to do whatever we want. You know, um, yeah. I, I hope that's going to happen. I, I'm going to try to make it happen at least in LA. And, I hope so. You know, New York and wherever else, whoever wants to host us really. Right. All right. Well, I hope that happens. I'll be there if it does. Um, so I want to encourage everyone to listen, look, and read this whole thing together. It is an amazing journey. I went on it for the last four days. Honestly, thank you. It's a really incredible project. Thank you for your kind, generous words and having me on the on your show. When can we get this record and this book and where? Uh, it's out digitally in just a few days, September 23rd. All right. Um, and then the, 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 but the physical object, the book, and, you know, there's a beautiful design with the vinyl and Raymond Pettibone did our cover, which was, I was, you know, really honored to have him do it. Cause I grew up with his covers, you know, with mm-hmm. black flag and Sonic youth and whatnot. And, um, that probably will, I think that will be available in March. Okay, great. I look forward to it. I I did buy the book on Kindle, so it's it's a good fantastic. You're it's the a good person ex- I've heard who bought it who has. Yeah, and it's a pretty. I mean, it's a pretty good experience on Kindle because the way you've uh, sequenced the book with the essays, it's really fun and actually laugh out loud funny sometimes when you finish certain pieces and then look at an image next to it. It's really and that was a good experience too. I am very pleased to know that. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I'd like to leave you with one last thing, which I, which is on my uh, journey going through all this. What one thing I came away with was that collaboration and cooperation really is the antithesis of crime in a way, and this is a perfect example of collaboration and cooperation. I never thought about it that way. What an interesting thing to say. One of the pieces really got me thinking about that, and it's I believe in it. Uh, I will say, if 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 one of the pieces is if you're if you're actually going to be a controversial person and play the R.L. Pink song, um, <laughs> I will say that uh, uh, that is the one song that's really not has nothing to do with crime. Yeah, and that just is because so. Uh, Ariel has an unusual process. Um, we came up with the music, and then he showed up to do a second, and he came in and started singing. And, um, you know, kind of like we were recording them, and sort of like somewhere three quarters, of, I was like, you know, I don't, this just really doesn't have anything to do with crying. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I just forgot that that was oh, the assignment. <laughs> that's the crime in itself right there. And then I thought, no, that's good. Maybe that's good. It's it's good to have one person break the rules. I thought that that's was right. like a, that was sort of in the spirit of the thing. Like, well, we can break our own rules. Why well, okay, let's have a crime against the structure and the assignment at hand? You know, uh, yeah. in a sense, you know. So I thought it's sort of funny to uh, fuck leave you, one Harper. There. I'm doing my <laughs> yeah. own thing. Yeah, exactly. Stop telling me Why what not? to do. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, I must. I got to play it now. Then. But uh, thanks for your time, man. It's really nice to meet you and talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. And I hope I get to meet you in L.A. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll even get to play some music sometime. That would be great.
Anyway, thanks very much. Yeah, take care of yourself. If you travel, travel safe. Okay. Bye. Yeah.